2: Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery.
3: Styling your home can be that ongoing curation project where it's a reflection of who you are and the things you love your collections, from family, from trips, and it shouldn't be static.
2: Welcome to Being Home with Hunker, a podcast where we explore the idea of home, not just as a place where you live, but as an expression of your identity. I'm your host, Lori Gunning Grossman, Editorial Director at Hunker. Today on the show, we have prop stylist Robin Zachary. Robin, who comes from the world of magazines, shares how people can unlock their inner stylist to create beautiful vignettes and spaces at home. She encourages us to see our homes as ever-changing, and that using styling techniques can help us curate our spaces, establishing a world within our homes. In this conversation, Robin offers helpful tips from the photo world on how we can style specific areas, including bookshelves, coffee tables, and entry tables. She also has great suggestions on where to find unique items for decor. As she says, she loves the hunt. Whether it's through teaching workshops via her website, The Prop Styling Experience, or offering advice and pretty pictures through her upcoming book called Styling Beyond Instagram, Robin is committed to creating beautiful moments in everyday spaces. You don't have to just be interested in a career in prop styling to enjoy this episode. If you love to create beauty just for the sake of beauty and learning styling tips on how to do that, especially in your home, you'll love this episode. So let's welcome our guest, prop stylist, Robin Zachary. One of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you, and I'm so excited about this, is because I wanted to talk about how people can unlock their inner stylist at home to create beautiful spaces, beautiful vignettes, and based on your expertise as a prop stylist, I thought you would be the perfect person to talk about this. Great,
3: great. I've got lots and lots of tips. Okay, great,
2: great. (laughs) So before we start, I would love to just hear a little bit about your experience as a prop stylist, because your background is as a creative director um, for a Bridal Guide magazine, and then you moved into prop styling. That's right. Have you always had an eye for prop styling and beauty?
3: You know, it's always part of the, you know, art direction, creative direction. I mean, I've been in magazines my whole career, basically, from like day one out of college. So working at so many different types of women's service magazines back in the day, you know, the teen and the baby and the fitness and the food and every kind of magazine. till I got to Bridal Guide magazine, creating original photography was always Part of the job. Okay. You know, it was you needed content, you hired a photographer and you picked out props or, or products or whatever it was, and you needed to shoot it. So I basically learned on the job and I've been doing it my whole career. So when I left the magazine, you know, doing prop styling just came naturally. You know, it just automatically got an agent. Right after I left and started booking prop styling jobs.
2: Oh, it's so exciting. (laughs) Yes. So I know that there are a lot of people who want to make their homes look the most beautiful that they can possibly be, whether it's a house, an apartment, Mm -hmm. your dorm room your studio. Mm -hmm. So I would love to get some tips from you on how people can style these different spaces in their homes. Mm -hmm. And it seems like a lot of the spaces where people tend to focus on and perhaps love to take pictures of and put on Instagram are places like the bookshelf, Mm -hmm. the coffee table, the entryway table. Yeah. So can we go down a few of these and you give some of your expert tips, starting with how to style a bookshelf? Well, can
3: I backtrack and just give some background in how these things translate and work?
2: Absolutely, yes.
3: I just want to say that styling is all about a curation of sorts, right? And establishing some kind of world. (laughs) So I would say that styling your home can be that ongoing curation project where, you know, it's a reflection of who you are Mm -hmm. and the things you love.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm. You know,
3: your collections from family, from trips and... It shouldn't be static. Right. So I think to have that mindset, you know, if we are doing, you know, a bookshelf or an entryway table, just think of it as an ever changing kind of thing. Mm. Because as you travel, as you gather things, you're you're always gonna have new things come into your life. I mean, everybody I know just love adores shopping and thrifting and adding to their collections. So Think of it as it's not a place that somebody else designs and fills for you. Right. You are going to be filling it and changing it. And it's got to be a reflection of who you
2: are. Love that. You know,
3: I do have lots and lots of overall design principle tips that can translate. Yes.
2: Yes. Let's do that.
3: Okay. So <laughs> these are like prop styling tips that for vignettes from the photo world that can translate into what you can use in your home. So first you have to understand things like hierarchy, number one is that there is a hierarchy to how you arrange things, right? Okay. So tall things will go to the back, medium things in between and small things in the front. Okay. You want to have things on different levels. And also to think of each of these areas that I'm going to go on and talk about, you want to think about, you're going to use all the space around you. So you're going to think of the wall and the surface as a continuum, you know, like, so you want to think about Using the wall behind you. Okay. Even in a bookshelf, looking at, you know, it's not just things standing on a shelf. You also have those back wall, on the back wall of your bookshelf, you can put things back there, like a plate or a picture. Things in terms of shapes. Yes. Right? So your platters and your trays are rounds and ovals and your boards and your framed prints and your books are squares, rectangles, right? So when yes. you think of shapes... Then you sort of think graphically and you can kind of use this like overlapping technique where you look at how things intersect with each other. Okay. You know, overlap a circle and a square in a nice way, you know, maybe one bigger than the other. You know, think of it as it's kind of like a graphic design kind of principle.
2: Love it. Yes.
3: Even your little things in front, you're thinking of how everything works in relation to the things around it, right? Right. Right. So, um, other little techniques would be to use stacking, okay, which means you know you can use blocks and boxes and pieces of wood to create levels, yes. right? So you get different heights.
2: Love this. Yes.
3: You can stack your books sideways, and that becomes like a riser as well. Another one is asymmetry. Mm-hmm. You know, not lining everything up so evenly, putting things on different planes, like. Maybe putting something to one side or the other, not having everything like middle, middle and lined up.
2: Right. Okay.
3: Look for things like using an odd number of things like threes and fives are easier to use and to stagger than just two of something.
2: Yeah, that's just more interesting to the eye, seeing things in odd numbers.
3: Well, because you can place things in different planes. You can push something further back. I mean, I say you can do that with twos if you have, like, two candlesticks. Instead of lining them up or two flutes, Yes, putting one a little behind the other. You know, that makes it more interesting to the eyes. Right. Sectioning, that's another thing. Like taking a wooden board or a tray, it'll segment an area. So if you've got a big coffee table and you have a tray...
2: Mm-hmm. You have a
3: whole bunch of stuff going on on the tray, yeah, right, that kind of sections it off from the rest of the tables.
2: Very cute.
3: You can use like pieces of marble slabs or a circle, a disc or something, or even a um, a placemat or a little runner. All of those things give you a way of just sectioning your space yes. for
2: interest. I love that. What else?
3: And let's see, flowers forever. That's one of them. I'm just like all about using flowers everywhere, plants and flowers and any kind of botanicals. I'm totally into that.
2: I love these techniques. Let me just really say really quickly, these are all so cool because I know that there are Things, as you describe, like what the eye likes that many times we may, we may just not think about, but like overlapping, as you mentioned, or even the odd numbers of things. Because I think it's sort of that like subconscious thing where it's like sometimes we don't know why something looks good. It just looks good. Right. But you're putting out there the actual little prop styling tips that, right. that people can use. I love this. The science
3: behind it. Right? Yeah. The little science yeah. behind it.
2: Okay, so what are some things we need to think about when styling bookshelves specifically?
3: I would think about things like, you know, using that back space, you know, and putting some circles, you know, some pretty platters up against the back. Mm. You know, I don't think anybody really thinks to do that. Or even you can put a favorite book straight back, or you could do a framed picture artwork. Yes, I would say it's nice to have a pretty bowl, some kind of interesting figurines, Yes. Some glassware. Um, definitely you want to have books and, you know, you could put like pretty art books. You know, I like to use the cloth bound. I always Hmm. look underneath the covers and take them off and, okay. And just use the pretty cloth covers and you can have them standing or you could put them stacked up on their sides. And, um, You could play around with this endlessly. I think if you do put the books sideways, then you could put a little figurine on top, like a little ball or a little tiny bowl or a figurine of something. Right. So you just want to build up different levels and look at it across. Love that. You know, keep it changing and moving as you get new things.
2: Okay. I like this. What about coffee tables? What about some styling tips for coffee tables?
3: So... Art books on a coffee table are, are given. You know, I think right. a lot of people buy books for their covers. Yeah. You know, they just love having art books around. And I also old magazines that just have gorgeous covers, you know, either they're
2: fashion magazines or food magazines or home decor. A cool question about the coffee table books like an art book. Do you suggest you stack two or three? Do we do the odd numbers again? Is it one? Does that matter? I always wonder about that you don't want to, to look overdone. So, okay. you know, you
3: want a low amount, three to four, I think, okay. but maybe even, maybe the sizes get smaller mm. as you go to the top.
2: Right. Okay.
3: Sometimes you could top it with a bowl. You know, everybody uses wide, these like low mm. wide bowls that you can put some, could fill it with something. Um, you know, I put, I could put dried flowers or pine cones Let's see, what else would you put? Then you would have the tray, probably. Right. You know, you could have a tray with um, a carafe with a beverage, a pitcher or a carafe, and some glassware on the table. You you know, you want some kind of vase with dried flowers or fresh flowers. I always like to leave some coasters around. Yes. I mean, I'm switching it out constantly with different things.
2: I love the idea of switching things out constantly and making our spaces sort of this living organism almost where it's, as you say, it's reflections of us. That's something we do talk about on this podcast a lot about how our homes are reflections of us and our identity. Yes. And as we grow, we tend to change and have different interests or we we go to different places. So it makes sense to have our spaces reflect that. I I really like thinking that way.
3: Yes. And especially as you travel, I think for me, I am more likely to buy things when I'm traveling because it's something I can remember. Oh, it reminds me of that great trip and something that's,
2: you
1: know, not from my everyday place.
2: Yeah, I love it. Okay, what about the entryway table? People love their entryway tables.
3: Well, (laughs) you know, you've got a pretty console or chest of drawers or whatever the base, you know, your base foundation piece is. A lot of entryway tables have, you know, a mirror as a focal point. Mm. I feel like you can lean something against the wall. You can lean overlapping things. Like you could have a nice mirror. It doesn't have to be mounted on the wall. It could be leaned on the wall, nice big mirror. And you could also have some prints of family photos and things kind of overlapping and leaning as well. Yes. You don't have to have stand up frames everywhere. I kind of like the leaning thing. I don't know. You know, I sometimes take like a clipboard and I put a pretty print or a magazine picture that's pretty and I lean it up against the wall. How neat. I mean, and like, so it's like a changing frame. Yeah. I love that. You know, you might have an arrangement of some figurines, some items. You probably want to have a lamp there or a big branchy arrangement. There also, I feel like every entryway needs like a bowl, right? Okay. For everybody to throw their keys in.
2: Yes. You know, thinking about these items, I'm also wondering where your favorite places are to find unique pieces of decor and then within that question and maybe it goes together styling on a budget great because i know a lot of us are on a budget and wanting to find unique pieces where do you go for for where you like to find things <laughs>
3: Ah, uh, yes, there's a lot of funny things where I actually find things. And also, it's what you consider decor, Right. <laughs> you know, so I have like a wide ranging idea of what is decor worthy, you know?
2: Yes, right.
3: So I think first and foremost, you have to love the hunt. For me, that's the fun part is like a score, you know, Yes, <laughs> like hunting and scoring something for a good price. And also knowing that, you know, if you do frequent thrift stores and junk shops a lot, you know, you tend to see a lot of similar stuff, right? So as long as you don't have to have anything, I'm willing to walk away from something that's too much money, right? that's overpriced because I know I'll see it again. Mm. You know, like there's common stuff that you see, certain patterns and certain vintage pieces you'll see. But if it's something amazing that I've never seen before, then I might be willing to spend more money on it. Like if it's really, really unique and nobody has that, I've never in my life, you know, that's that's a hard thing because I feel like I've seen almost everything
2: at this point, you know? (laughs) Do you shop at flea markets?
3: Yes, a lot of us love flea markets, you know, the better art flea markets, the vintage markets, the estate sales, the tag sales, but like for me, out-of-town junk shops are the most fun. But as far as more modern things, you have to sort of get to know your local stores and when things go on markdowns. I watch things, you know, like I know what time of year things get marked down, so I'll watch until the price gets slashed or there's a friends and family sale or something like that. So I feel like things find me, (laughs) you know, that's what I always say.
2: So keep your eyes open is what I'm hearing. It seems like there's inspiration and items everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. Do you shop online ever or is that not for you? I do occasionally.
3: You know what? On Instagram, I buy a lot of things, you know, handmade ceramics and things that, you know, artisans from all over the place. Right. You know, I have to slow down. I have like a total like hunger for handmade ceramics. Yeah. But I have to slow down. I'm overrun (laughs) with stuff.
2: So thinking about this, as you are collecting many pieces, like your ceramics and other items, do you have some tips around how to organize and keep all of your collections nice and tidy or in a way that's manageable for people, especially for many of us who live in smaller spaces, but maybe want to have these pieces that we can switch out, as you mentioned, this great tip of switching things out as the seasons come and go or as our feelings come and go. What are some of your ideas for for that organizing?
3: Well, you know, using some of the other little design tips that I said, like especially maybe the stacking, I mean, it depends on what you're collecting. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so one thing that I love to collect is little bird figurines. I'm, Okay. my name is Robin. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've always collected birds. Everybody would always get me a bird. And then also my mother had a lot of little birds that I inherited. You know, I have them out on a shelf, and I sort of use that stacking technique of, you know, different levels. I have a couple of, because they're birds, I have some tree slices that I have s- – you know, and some on upper levels and some on lower levels and some on the base of the shelf. So I created like a little, a little vignette, a little world for them. Yeah. Um, If you collect something big, and you don't have a lot of room, I would suggest the switching out and doing maybe three to five of one item at a time and keeping a few in the closet and switching them out
2: right over
3: throughout the year, just because
2: right, right.
3: So I always tell people, Not to buy everything in sight, but collect over time. Yeah. You know, some people feel like when they want to get into prop styling, oh, I've got to have tons of things. But, you know, you don't know what you're going to need until you need it, you know. Right. True. So you kind of accumulate. Yeah. You know, in that sense, you're not expected to have everything all at once, you know. So you acquire. (laughs) Right. You know, over a lifetime of doing something, you acquire, you know. But doesn't mean you know go out and buy you know 50 breadboards now right, right. <laughs> you know but over your life and in your travels you will find you know here's a nice beautiful one or here's one from uh the thrift store that I'm gonna paint yeah. you know I mean you know, I've done that too where I'm just like oh I need a white cutting board so here's one I bought for a dollar I'll just slap some white yeah. paint on it now I have a white Ooh, cutting board <laughs> yeah
2: I like that Now, you had mentioned before you also use mood boards, is that correct? Oh, yes. I love doing mood boards. Tell me about why you love mood boards and how you use them.
3: You know, mood boards, you know, for a styling project or when I, I teach people how to do mood boards, there's several kinds of mood boards so you've probably seen the ones that are all photographs right. where somebody will just go to Pinterest and Instagram and pull a bunch of photos together and that will be their mood board their inspiration and that will be their jumping off point to maybe talk to their decorator or or the decorator will make one for them to try and you know crystallize an idea you know but I love making a mixed media mood board where you're actually using fabric swatches. And I've got bins of fabrics and paint chips and tile and wallpaper and all kinds of patterns and colors. And I, I like to use this at the start of any styling project just so I can kind of pull together, you know, my, my color palette, what's going to be a pattern, like the finishes. I might, let's say, want to like use a little brass bowl because I'm going to use brass hardware Mm. and something where, you know, things become like a representation. So it's a small scale representation of the big scale project. Yes. And I would say most designers and decorators will use mood boards, but I just love, you know, starting with that base layer of fabrics that are interconnected fabrics and patterns and all that. Um, And then the top layer would be like organic matter, you know, shells and um, bowls or little figurines or ribbon, um, Mm. dried flowers, you know, I mean, so it's kind of got this multi dimensional feel to it. But it gives it gives off a vibe. Yeah, you know, it gives off a whole style that maybe didn't even maybe you don't even have a name for it. But it's your own, Uh, you know, it's your own thing.
2: I love this, especially when people are not just styling, say, a coffee table or a bookshelf, but thinking about an entire room and the feeling and they want with that. I love how your idea is like 3D, you know, the, the layering of it.
3: Right, right. And actually, when I have students here um, that are, you know, coming here to learn with me, I will give them these boxes and I'll say, go, pull, you know, pull stuff. But I won't give them a lot of time. Right. I would say, see what speaks to you. Yes. Like, what What do you gravitate towards as far as, you know, your tastes? What do you like? Yeah. And they'll go, pull, you know, like, woo, woo, how fun, you know, this is really fun. And then I'll yeah. pull everything away, like the boxes and say, okay, we're done. Now let's edit. Let's see what story is coming together here. Right. From what you like, what doesn't work, you know, what's repetitive, what doesn't fit. And something will start to emerge, something that's really relevant that um, will be a reflection of of them, you know, and yeah. then we'll start looking around the room for all the little things that we could put on top of it. But then we might end up with something that's, I mean, they come in here with no nothing planned. Yeah, but they may then come out with this like coastal beachy kind of beach house look, then we might elaborate and do a bigger a bigger arrangement in that style based on that little yeah. mood board that
2: we've created. Oh, so fun.
3: Yeah, they don't even know what it's gonna be. And I feel like it's very intuitive, right. but I'm just here to guide that along. Ah,
2: oh, I love it. But
3: I think a decorator or a designer is at doing that. They're trying to read the client, mm. right? Through getting to know them and they're trying to kind of put something together for them to
2: say, oh, this is so me, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. I have just a few more questions that are a little bit more about you and your space. And you were just mentioning how you have students come to your space and you work with them. Mm -hmm. So about your space, you're in New York. Mm -hmm. How do you describe your home in three words?
3: Mm. Well, I would say creative, messy. (laughs) And eclectic. And I have to be honest, you know, I'm not embarrassed to say that it is organized chaos. Okay. So there's always something going on in here. And um, I love that phrase, because I know where everything is. So that is the organized part. But chaos, like somebody may look at it and go, how do you find anything? It's just, I know right. <laughs> where everything is in my head. I'm, I am have like a filing system. So like things are near like things. Okay. I remember where I put something.
2: Yes, yes.
3: So um, it's definitely not one of those sparsely decorated yeah. places for,
2: yeah. <laughs> by any means. So among your organized chaos, what brings you joy when you're at home? Hmm.
3: Let's see. I would say... Being in my creative room, in my creative space, I I feel a sense of peace being around materials and artifacts of my life. I think that's what brings me joy. It's something where I can be truly myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, when when you live with other people, it's sometimes you just need that getaway, you know, you need that space that you could, where you can just, shut out, you know, everything out and be just by yourself and be creative.
2: And you have your own dedicated space there where you work and where you have many of your things? Yes. Okay.
3: Yeah, so it's really, really wonderful to have this light and be in such a central location in Manhattan. Everybody's always coming Mm. to visit Manhattan. I mean, I've met so many people throughout the world that are like, everyone wants to make a trip to New York, you know, so I feel like I'm always being contacted like hey I'll be in New York for a half a day you want to get coffee and I like I love that you know I love having people over. Yeah
2: that's so nice. So our podcast is called Being Home with Hunker. What does being home mean to you?
3: Being home I guess means just love creativity comfort and peace.
2: Beautiful.
3: If I could be really brief about it. (laughs)
2: brief, but all powerful words and yes. powerful ways to think of our spaces. Ah,
3: Yes. Actually, whenever I walk into this room, I do say I love you <laughs> to my space because I feel it's such a gift. Oh. I do not take it for granted one bit.
2: Oh, that gives me chills. You know, so I say I love you every time you enter your favorite space. I do.
3: Yes. I walk in. I'm like, I love you. You know, I just love like I'm getting all like reclaimed. no, I just like feel so me in my in my space that I um, and I love to share it that I do without taking it for granted i do want to just thank be thankful yeah you know so I, i'm like thank you i love you yeah. <laughs> like i'm talking to a person but it, it just really i personify i give it like human qualities i guess in a way it just has like a living breathing life of its own in a
2: way oh it's so sweet what a way to create a beautiful energy in that space i'm sure that the energy and that room is like i love you too like there's got to be yeah that that synergistic thing going on
3: yeah it's good feminine energy in here and creative and organic Mm. energy I think the rest of my home since I do live with two boys uh, my son and my husband it has very male energy to it the rest of the place so at least I have the place that it's a reflection of me
2: yes let me ask you do you have a name for your room do you call it a special name
3: (laughs) well I just call it my studio (laughs) <laughs> no, it doesn't have, like, a person's yeah. name. like. Betty. You know.
2: Hey, Betty. I'm like... back. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I should. I know. I should think about that. That's a good one. I love that idea.
2: I love it. This is all so wonderful, and your tips are so helpful, Robin. Oh, thank you. And also, for people who don't want to be a professional stylist, it's still fun. It's still just fun to learn and just to create beauty for the sake of creating beauty.
3: That's probably the main thing. I think you'd probably the largest sector of people on Instagram are just creating, you know, they're yeah. talking about their lives, they're making food, they're right. decorating their homes, right. they're arranging flowers, they're collecting vintage things and making beautiful arrangements with all of their cool stuff. Right. I mean, you know, now it's like visuals are everything.
2: True. Visuals are everything.
3: I mean, like, you know, with reels it's changing things up so we're not the static beautiful photo their instagram is pushing people away but i'm hoping for this backlash of you know people that just want to create still life beauty yes i hope they stick around and don't get discouraged because i think that's what initially drew us all into social media right was this eye candy you know and everybody's gotten better and better and better as time went on so now you know, it's a different art form.
2: Yeah. Well, you're doing beautiful work and your book is still life. People can go there and look at your work and work with you. And I'm excited for you and your book. I can't wait to see it. Uh,
3: Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm excited. Thank you for having me here. It's been so nice talking to you.
2: So nice talking to you too, Robin. Thank you so much. To learn more about Robin, visit her website at thepropstylingexperience.com, where you can get information on the many styling workshops that she offers, or find her on Instagram at Robin Zachary. Also, keep an eye out for Robin's book, Styling Beyond Instagram, which will be released on August 30th. You're definitely going to want to add this one to your coffee table collection. We have direct links to everything in our show notes, so be sure to go there for more info. And also on our show notes, you can discover other episodes we think you might like based on this conversation, such as my chat with DIY expert, Tricia Sprouse, interior designer, Leanne Ford, and professional home organizer, Jen Roban. Thank you for listening to Being Home with Hunker. For more information about this episode or others, visit hunker.com forward slash podcast. And if you don't already, please follow our show. If you like what you hear, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review and share it with your friends. It really does help. Being Home with Hunker is produced by me, Lori Gunning Grossman. Eve Epstein is our executive producer. The podcast is recorded and mixed at Night Shift Audio. Theme music by Jonathan Grossman special thanks to our team at Hunker, senior designer, Maury Men, and director of audience development, Gina Goff. Hunker's mission is to inspire and empower you to create a space that expresses who you are, shows off your unique style, and makes your life happier and more productive.